Welcome to an all-new episode of Close Talking. I am one of your co-hosts, Connor McNamara Strat. And I am your other co-host, Jack Rossiter Munley. That was one of the stranger ways to say that name. I, but I really nailed it, though. I wanted to get it right. You did. It, it, felt, it felt like it was your name. You know, it felt like you really owned it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Really um, coming into my own these days. <laughs> well, we've got a great poem for you, as always. But before we dive into the poetic depths, we have our now recurring desperate plea in which we talk about algorithms for too long of a time. But really, the short story is, give us a rating on iTunes. It helps us a lot. It helps us reach new people. We would be very grateful. You know who had great rhythm? <laughs> oh, no. Al Jolson. That's why they called him Al Go Rhythm, because they were like, you go, Al. Oh, no. Oh, wow. <laughs> Algorithms, they rule the world. Help us be good at them. And if we get a lot of ratings, we won't have to make horrible algorithm jokes. I think that's overly generous for what I just did. <laughs> but yeah, no, if we get enough, then we are permanently deemed good algorithm boys by the internet and we don't have to ask anymore. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's in everyone's best interest to, to appease the algorithm. We're just trying to attain algorithmic nirvana or yes. enlightenment or mukthi. And, I think we uh, should start an algorithm cult and we should try and attain harmonic unity with the algorithm. Okay, I'm really excited to talk about this poem. It is called Stammer. It's by the poet Cynthia Cruz, who is a wonderful poet. Um, she has five collections of poetry, the latest of which came out last year in 2018. Um, it's called Dregs. And she teaches at Sarah Lawrence. And she's also an art critic. Yeah, this poem is interesting because I found it in the latest issue of the Washington Square Review, the fall 2018 issue, which is a great journal, and I will happily plug it for no other reason than there's a lot of journals out there. TBH, bad. Even the good ones, a lot of bad poems. Washington Square Review, like consistently, very good. And anyway, this is like a fresh poem. You know, we've done some classics, but this one is like hot off the charts. Billboard top 40, if such things existed. Into it. Washington Square Review, top 40, coming at you. Coming at you strong. Fresh as a ideal mozzarella. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I just want to say one thing about Cynthia Cruz, which is that she was born on the Air Force Base in Wiesbaden, Germany. And that's where my grandfather was there with oh, my wow. grandma. And, and that's where my dad went to high school. Fascinating. Just a fun yeah. fact. I felt a bit of a connection to her via that when I learned that during, you know, researching her in more depth. I'd read a couple of her poems before, but in researching her, I found that out and immediately felt uh, a connection. I love that. Yeah. I love that a lot. Okay. Stammer by Cynthia Cruz. There is the story my mother used to tell, how she woke at 3 a.m. from a dream that her mother died. And she did at 3 a.m. It's like that, visceral and animal. 
the silver grammar of vanish. A soft violence pushing up against me. Soundless, it's static, satelliting music. Even now, it is there on the edge, on the periphery. When I stand in the light before the mirror, it is overpowering. And always without end. The sounds happening in this poem are yes. so good. The silver grammar of vanish. Amazing sounds. Crazy cool concept. What is that? I want to know so much more. I'm, I'm loving it. I love it already. It's really such a good poem. And it's also, it's not as hard as what we talked about a few times ago. Ray Armand Trout, she is doing some wild stuff that's not exactly happening here. But at the same time, there are some, it has some difficulties, I think. First, we try to do a little plot oftentimes. This one, again, hard to do a plot, but I'll, I'll do the best that I can. So it begins with the kind of anecdote about how speaker's mother used to tell the story about how she had a dream that her own mother, so I assume the speaker's grandmother, died at 3 a.m. And then the speaker says that her grandmother did die at 3 a.m., I assume. And then says, it's like that. And so we have this moment. And the rest of the poem seems to be trying to describe this it. And I think that the it has two possibilities, at least. One is a stammer itself in the literal way. The poem is called Stammer. And I think it's at least possible that the poem is in part describing what it's like to have a stammer or what the feeling of a stammer is like. But then I think that the stammer is a proxy or a... There's a fancy word called a metonym or metonymy, which is a kind of metaphor in which something is standing in for something else. So when we say the White House, we are using a metonym to refer to the executive branch of the government. The White House has commented on. Yes, the White House has commented on. Right. So I think that the stammer is potentially a metonym for something else that is the it. But it's described in various ways. It's visceral, it's animal, it's on the periphery, it's overpowering, etc. And we can get into all those details. But that's kind of the basic way that I was understanding the poem, is that there's some it that's being described that's also related to the way that the story in the beginning about the mother and the other mother was playing out. So the way I took that initial stanza, there is the story my mother used to tell how she woke at 3 a.m. from a dream that her mother died, and she did at 3 a.m. I took that to be one of those things where it's like people in different places experiencing something simultaneously. So I took it to be that her mother was having a dream that her mother died and woke up at 3 a.m. and then like later found out that was the night her mother died at 3 a.m., the reason I took it that way is because that would be this like weird, disruptive, like event out of your control that is this like hiccup in your understanding of how the world works if you take a more rational view of the way that the world operates. And so it 
is like that visceral and animal. It's this like natural thing, a connection across time and space that can't be explained is on the level of the it, which again, I, I think you're right. I think the it is the stammer and it's like getting at what is going on there. Um, and that the stammer is brilliantly described as being the silver grammar of vanish, a line which contains a lot of sounds found in the word stammer. Ah, and the er, stammer, silver, grammar, stammer, of vanish, stammer, vanish, silver, stammer. It's like all of the sounds are just broken up and tossed into different words. And then this line is like, uh, actually, I'm about a stammer, but it won't tell you that. It'll be super cool and poetic and awesome and be like, uh, yeah, I'm the silver grammar of vanish. Nice to meet you. <laughs> um, and then you get the um, the soft violence pushing up against me. I get an image of like your tongue pushing against your soft palate, maybe, or like you're pushing, trying to get the word out, but you just can't get it past your own sort of self soundless it's static satellite music all these s's again which is a stammer sound or like maybe the s is the letter on which the stammer occurs but yeah that that is sort of the direction i went with that yeah i think that makes a lot of sense and there's a i think that's really interesting yeah because the that is is you know referring to probably that previous stanza and there's also this way that the dream dreams are pretty visceral or like it's a way of experiencing something, you know, intensely. And yet that's a kind of, yeah, I like the way that you talked about the hiccup of your understanding of the world in some kind of way. And yeah, silver grammar vanish is so good. Those sounds are so good. It's also, it's like, it's so cool because either you're trying to say something and so the stammer prevents you from saying it. And so there's a kind of, it's like that there's a grammar to the absence of, you know, if you start and then you have to start again, the pause in between, which is the kind of stammer could be like conveyed in terms of a grammatical unit or something, but it's a non thing. So to say the silver grammar of vanish is like so cool. That is, that. that's a really good point. Cause like how stammers are usually represented in text I say usually my main reference for this is the first Harry Potter book where Professor Quirrell has a stammer and it's like the letter that is being stammered on and then a dash and then the letter repeats and then a dash and then the letter repeats and then a dash. And so, as you were saying, it really is like this absence of sound is kind of what makes up the stammer. And it is partially the repetition as well, um, but it's mostly that there's just like not sound happening consistently because it was just a long letter sound, then it would just go right into the word, but it's the disruptions. Um, indeed, when the sound vanishes, the silver grammar vanish. I want to highlight, I guess, for a moment, the ways that I feel like the poem is hard or like not straightforward because it there's like these moments that are so beautiful or like impressive, like the silver grammar vanishes just like makes me so delighted because it's so cool, but it doesn't necessarily We've sort of gotten at some of the meaning of it, but it doesn't necessarily like I can be delighted and not actually understand what's going on, if that makes sense. And I feel like there's a difficulty to this poem where, for one thing, the fact that it is being used solely throughout. There's, you know, stammers in the title, so we can make that jump, but it's never explicitly connected. And so that 
also opens up a possibility that it refers to something else, which I do think is the case. But then there's also a fair amount of fragments, I suppose, and things that don't quite go together. So like the end of the poem is, and always without end is its own sentence, which is not a sentence, you know? Um, and the silver grammar vanish isn't a sentence. And then like soundless, it's static satelliting music doesn't actually music, static, and soundless don't go together because if it's a music, it has some sound or a static maybe has some sound. So I can sort of get what's being got at, but I, but in terms of pure sense, it's challenging. Then there's this also this kind of a lack of concrete detail is one of the other difficult parts of this. And we often extol the virtues of concrete detail and there are a lot of virtues. And so in this poem, it lacks a lot of that. You know, the big words are visceral, animal, grammar, vanish, violence, soundless music, edge, periphery. You know, it's pretty abstract. There's a few moments when I stand in the light before the mirror, it is overpowering. That's like the one time that the speaker exists in space, right? Um, and is with an object that we can kind of like see the mirror. Yeah, I just wanted to list those because I, I think those are actually strengths or choices of the poem. But sometimes I read it and I was like, ah, what's going on? And then other times I was like, yeah. But then I didn't even know what I was saying yeah to. So I had to think about it a lot. But at any rate, I was curious if you like encountered other difficulties when you were trying to work your way through it or something. I did. For sure. Uh, the first difficulty, somewhat similar to our discussion of and, is that the first couple of times I read through it, I was like, all right, number one, I love this because it sounds so good. Problem, I don't know what the hell's going on. And this is called Stammer. Help. And so I had to read it a couple of times before I started piecing together like, oh, maybe the Stammer is being kind of described but maybe more accurately it's being like put into words and like brought out on the page in some way uh and the first hint i got of that was satelliting because a satellite sort of intermittently relays information the way that you might sort of as we've been talking about the stammer is like the in and out of sound and that was when i first thought oh wait like a satellite was sort of boop 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 that could be yeah um, that was where I started to, like, actually figure some stuff out. But I definitely ran into some difficulties. Though, thankfully, because it does sound so good, I was just kind of, like, able on, like, a basic level to just get swept up in the language and be like, wow, this is amazing. And particularly because it also does start with something that's a little bit more literally described, the story the mother tells. That made me feel like there was something for me to understand without having to, like, be completely lost forever i just needed to spend a little time as opposed to just being like well i guess that was cool to read like that sounded <laughs> good i guess and i like it and i like that vanishing grammar business that was tight so yeah i definitely 
encountered some initial issues and there are some unresolved things, particularly around the ending, which I think is meant to be unresolved, but like the way that all of a sudden there's a me and a my, but now all of a sudden when I stand in the light before the mirror, which just feels different when there is an actual I present um, and it is overpowering. Well, you don't say that you're talking in front of the mirror. It says when I stand in the light before the mirror it is overpowering. So is the light in front of the mirror not a literal light in front of a literal mirror? But when you feel like the spotlight is on you in an interpersonal scenario, is that the light and the mirror? Maybe this is just something that like, are you alone trying to practice to your reflection, not stammering when talking and you can't? I don't know. But yeah, as you were pointing out, the way that the pieces of the poem are broken up can in some ways maybe be like the again, a representation of the breaking up of speech that a stammer would have, but it also serves to make it a little bit more of like an interpretive journey, let's say, to the heart of the poem. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's really right. And I, I had been thinking that there was another thing that the stammer was referring to, and I had an idea about it, but then I found this little interview with Cynthia Cruz and it it unlocked it, so I just want to read. Cool. It. Let me talk about how I found, think about it first, and then just reveal the answers. I'm onto your no. game. <laughs> I see how you play your games. Oh no, no, that's not what this I meant to do. This podcast is over. I am walking out of this podcast. <laughs> you and your interview with Cynthia Cruz can host it from now on. Oh my god. No, I. I see. I see what you're saying. I'm kidding. I I mainly just want to know what she has to say. Okay. This was in anticipation of her book that came out in the fall, which this may be a part of. I'm not actually sure. But she said that what has consumed me from the start is the question of how to write about experiences, either personal or historical, that cannot be said. Here, I am thinking of experiences that can't be articulated either because they can only be expressed through space, gaps, or ruptures. Trauma, for example, fractures and fragments experience by definition. Any attempt at explaining trauma through concise syntax in which there occur beginning, middle, and end will fail. And there's a little bit, and then this is the key part, which is maybe too on the nose, but helpful, I think. So poetry, like visual art with, for instance, the montage or collage or film still, does allow for these fragments and stutters, these ways of simulating silence or stammering. Poetry also allows for what I call a haunting. Uh, for allowing a space or rupture for what cannot be articulated but must be acknowledged. So in that instance, perhaps there is no literal stammer, and it is just that there is this disruption in the family that we hear explicitly about at the beginning, and this is her poetic attempt to render that in words. Yes. Yeah, so... I like this. So there's a kind of... There's the physical stammer, but then there's this kind of if, 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 for example, you are the speaker has experienced a trauma, whether in the family or otherwise, there's a, an insistent presence 
of it that both wants to articulate itself and cannot be, which is kind of like the way that a stammer works. And so I I was wondering if the it is also a kind of particular trauma or particular memory um, or experience that's being described as well as the stammer. It may, as I said, it may not be an actual stammer at all. Stammer may be the term used for this like rupture and absence in the aftermath of loss. Who knows? Um, I don't know if it's a specific event or if it's being used as a way of describing the feeling that happens when there is a sudden loss for for the it. Because it may just be it's like that visceral and animal like you didn't expect to lose somebody and you did. That opens up a huge chasm in your world if there's somebody important to you and you then have to try and put together some kind of way of understanding that perhaps a silver grammar of vanish something to try and, and fill that void, but it's always going to be inadequate, at least initially. So no matter how you try to live your life, there is a soft violence pushing up against you. Soundless. It's static satellite music. Like it, it recurs to you the, the tragedy that you, experienced it comes back not all at once and not constantly but like intermittently it will return in between is the vanishing and even now it is there on the edge on the periphery you may have come to terms with this loss but it still exists and it still reasserts itself every now and then but perhaps when you stand in the light before the mirror and you are confronted with nothing more than your own face in the light you like revisit that very sort of barren and alone feeling that will always to some degree be with you without end. I think that's where I feel it's at too. And one thing that then was also interesting to me was there are these moments of repetition that sort of on the face of it seem could seem unnecessary. The two big examples are even now it is there on the edge, on the periphery and the ending and always without end on the edge and on the periphery are similar ways of saying the same thing and always yeah i mean it's 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 always there which is the same thing as it's without end um so there's a rearticulation of something similar and in the beginning this is a little different but the way that the story is relayed is repetitious in that there is the story my mother used to tell how she woke at 3 a.m. from a dream that her mother died, and she did at 3 a.m. The way that 3 a.m. sort of comes back is different than the other repetitions, but there's a kind of, I sort of made this connection before I understood sort of the other possible meaning, but I was like, ooh, it's like... Stammer is is sometimes just, you know, you repeat the same thing over and over again. And here the poem is repeating this thing that doesn't like need to be repeated and yet is doing so very intentionally. And yeah, I just thought it was like kind of a fascinating little formal move to incorporate that because it is kind of the effect of it is eerie. The way that it ends, that's what just got me so much. Like, and always without end, 
part of it is like you try to say always and you're like no that's not it you try to say it again and then you end up saying without end which is like oh that's like the same thing so it's like this kind of you see the poem trying not coming at you with the you know as wordsworth said that it was like the spontaneous overflow of feeling or whatever but that's recollected in tranquility or whatever there's not this sort of polished expression of something that's been processed the the poem is kind of a, a stammering process in those like moments yeah which i thought was really cool and then when i sort of read that bit about sort of thinking about either something traumatic or something inexpressible the repetitions themselves seem to be an important force in expressing it even if the content isn't like saying anything different echoes sort of the language of grief and trauma which is often you know it's easy to be re-traumatized or a lot of therapeutic methods rely on repetition with the specific goal of like recapturing a narrative or as a means of sort of gaining some kind of control over either the traumatic event itself and the story that surrounds it or to control your reaction to being triggered towards whatever the trauma is but it's this like really intentional um practice as opposed to the kind of unintentional possible re-traumatizing or like re-exposure to something traumatic and so i think the inclusion of repetition in here is really important i was so excited by it because i've been sort of on the lookout for poems that have these more difficult speakers to access in some kind of way that they don't allow you in for some kind of reason. And I had, when we were talking about the Ray Armand Trout poem, and I had sort of talked about two possible cases for why you would want or why a sort of fragmented or difficult speaker makes sense. And and I do think that one of those is when you have a like someone who has gone through a trauma and so that their sense of themselves is necessarily disrupted and so this felt like just like a really good way to think about that head on yeah and it's just so it's a really powerful rendering of that of exactly what you were describing a speaker who maybe difficult to locate or maybe has undergone something almost certainly a trauma but clearly there's like some kind of barrier between the speaker and like the expression almost in the poem and i think that that definitely comes through in this yes i think that's a really good point because the expression itself is a difficult thing for someone who's had that kind of experience it makes poetry a perfect medium but also makes it a difficult space because you can actually get it in the same way that you can draw attention to language itself you can draw attention to expression itself and so you can sort of like challenge you know the ideas of like oh you have a feeling and then you express that feeling and then it's expressed those things sometimes are the case but not for many people all the time and it's important to like allow you want those kinds of experiences even as they're inexpressible to have a space to be expressed or not expressed out loud <laughs> or something like that or and like so, a, a yeah. place where they can 
while it is still difficult to express them, it is possible to engage in whatever expression is possible or like whatever can be accessed to start paving the way towards a fuller possible expression later on. Yeah. And yeah, I just thought this was a good example of something that could be because some poems, I think, are are difficult and obscure and sometimes you know, poetry gets a bad rap sometimes for being, you know, like, oh, it doesn't have to make sense. Or, you know, if you don't get it, you're dumb or like, blah, blah, blah. Or is it even when it's not the case that it's explicitly saying, if you don't get it, you're dumb. Most people, when they read something and don't get it, might feel dumb or might feel like, well, this isn't for me. Yes, exactly. And so I, part of what we do is to bring poems that are like, fairly accessible and talk about those like the Ted Cruiser, the Mary Oliver, the Marie Howe, things like that. But I also like to bring on ones that could be read in that way and be like, I don't get this. I'm just not good at reading poetry or poetry doesn't like want me here in the space and to sort of think explicitly about the ways that these are not just like pretentious formal moves, but that they're coming from like a a deep personal investment in some kind of exploring some kind of experience and that, that there are sort of choices that make sense, even if they are difficult in certain ways. And we have, and we've done a few of those. Yeah. Over over our time, we've got, and we now have stammer. We did excerpts from Don Lundy Martin's life in a box is a pretty life. Yes. Early on in our, in our run justin philip reed's poem is a good example i think it that one is like you can get to it it's just harder to get to it and this mm-hmm. po- this poem in some ways you can't get to it but you can understand why and how you're not getting to it <laughs> yes i think part of the reason you can't necessarily get to it is because there's an it in the poem and that it is itself being kind of fractured, fragmented, played around with. So there isn't necessarily a unitary it to get. Right. Which, you know, can be a challenge. Yes. Yes. Should we read it again? Yeah. I just, the sounds are so good. And the images, like she does this a lot in a lot of her poems where there's just incredible sounds and really great intense images. She has a poem, Kingdom of Dirt, that has the line, lines, it's draped in my black cape of smut glue and subterranean, they mistook me for a man in drag in my nasty boots. Whoa. Come on. And the whole poem's like that. That's wild. Like, ah, just get out of here, Cynthia Cruz. You're too good. Yeah. (sighs) Oh my God. That is amazing. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to say that and be sure that that little snippet made it in because geez Louise. (laughs) No, that is incredible. I know I'm definitely going to get dregs and then I'm going to be reading a lot of Cynthia Cruz. I cannot wait to hear how that goes. It's going to be wild. Okay, let's read it again. Yes. Stammer by Cynthia Cruz. There is the story my mother used to tell, how she woke at 3 a.m. from a dream that her mother died. And she did at 3 a.m. It's like that, visceral and animal. 
the silver grammar of vanish. A soft violence pushing up against me. Soundless, it's static, satelliting music. Even now, it is there on the edge, on the periphery. When I stand in the light before the mirror, it is overpowering. And always, without end. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this, please, please write a review on iTunes or at the very least, rate us. You can keep up with our news and other poetry and book-related news at facebook.com slash close talking or on Twitter at close talking. You can also follow me at hot sauce boxed or Jack at Jack Rossiter Munn. If you have another reading of one of the poems we've discussed, think we got something wrong, have a new idea for a topic we should tackle or a work we should discuss, please let us know, tweet at us, or shoot us an email at close talking poetry at gmail.com. <laughs>